0: Hey, I'm Laura and I'm B, and you've discovered the energy to heal a podcast brought to you by Embolden label in seasons of struggle. It's obvious what's wrong, but somehow fixing what's broken seems impossible here. You'll learn about Splunkna a faith-based method for breakthrough that will allow you to get unstuck and move towards freedom. It allows you to connect the dots that led you into hardship in the first place and release and restore what's holding you back.
1: Splunkna brings together the physical, emotional, and spiritual aspects of an issue. This whole person approach leads to lasting change when compared to traditional methods. Let's get started. I am so excited for today's episode. I get to interview my co-host, which is so special because we are actually virtually complete strangers. I do know part of the story that's going to be shared today only because when we first connected, we shared this story with each other, which was, how did you even find Splunkna? A lot of our clients ask us, you know, how do I, how, why did it take me so long to find out about this? And they want to know why Splunkna isn't an everyday um, name, like something that we hear all the time. And Laura and I are here to change that. We are here to make sure that you know about Splunkna, that you know um, how to find a Splunkna practitioner, and that you begin to understand what Splunkna is and what it will do for you. So today I'm gonna to be interviewing Laura about how in the world did you even find Splunkna? So welcome, Laura. Uh-huh, thank you.
0: Yeah, I I have been telling this story like it's my job lately because uh recently, and this is where I met you at the master's training, uh, and that is a question that comes up a lot. Like how in the world did you hear about it? Cause it's not an everyday name yet. It's relatively new to the world of therapy. Um, and so this is my story of how I discovered Splunkna and I love it so much, especially because I was so against it
1: at first. I was not a proponent, uh, but so this is what, yeah, go ahead. I wanna, I wanna pause you for, there for a minute cause we have some differences that I wanna highlight as we share our stories. And so I want to just share with folks that you grew up in a in a spiritual family, correct? Like you grew yeah. up with a God. Is that fair to say? Yep. And so yeah. was that playing a role in the resistance that you were feeling at that time?
0: Uh, I honestly think it was because I am a nurse. I was trained in mm. science. You look at it under a microscope. You uh You put a Band-Aid on it. You give medicine to it. Symptoms are only just physical. That's all I was Mm. ever trained. And so to to hear that there's this whole world inside of us where it's like intention and emotion, and I I didn't grow up in a super emotionally expressive family, I would say. So all of that was so hard to wrap my head around because I didn't have a grid for it.
1: Yeah, that makes so much sense. It didn't so, feel okay.
0: concrete.
1: Yeah. That, thank you for clarifying that. So you were saying, I cut you off. You were saying that you were you're feeling kind of against it and so how did you learn about Swantna? Okay, so this is the
0: backstory. My son, Noah, and I have full permission to share the story I spoke with him. He's so excited that I'm telling his story on this podcast. So he's about to turn 11 right now, current day. When he was about to turn 6, is when we took him in for this Splunkna session. Now, we live in Nebraska. We didn't know anybody in Nebraska that did Splunkna sessions. So we drove him all the way to Denver to this woman that we knew, a therapist that had gotten trained in splunkness. She'd been telling us about it, all these crazy success stories. And it was really getting my husband like, we got to try this. Now, leading up to six years old, when he got his first Splunkna session, my son, Noah, was really struggling for years. So Mm. I would say like 18 months old until six years old, everything with him was a fight. Mm. And you could tell he didn't want to be that way. He was exhausted by his level of intensity. It was um, to the point where everything was affected by this cortisol, this stress, this intensity that would just surge through his body all the time. And even getting him dressed was such, it was sometimes a 30, 40 minute battle to get dressed because Mm. the pants were too tight. The tag was itchy. We'd cut off the tag, but he could still feel the threads. And honestly, I would go two, three days without changing his outfit if his outfit stayed relatively clean, because I did not have it in me at that point. I had a one-year-old and a two-year-old and a three-year-old when we were going through this all my kids were so close in age. And I was, I was just, uh, I was struggling to say the least. So I was exhausted. Noah was exhausted. I wasn't happy or thriving as a mom. I knew he needed help. I didn't know how to help him. And he felt that you could just tell he felt the same way. Um, I kept telling my pediatrician, something is wrong with him. We need to help him. So my pediatrician gave me a new diet to give. We took gluten and dairy out of his diet. We took him to a brain balance place in Omaha to see if that was going to be something that would be a good fit for him. Um, I had all, as a nurse, I had all these things in my brain of like, what if it's this? What if it's that? I just knew I need to help this boy. And I don't know how it was so defeating that sometimes I'd hear him wake up in the morning and I would just cry. Cause I'm like, mm. I don't know. I don't, I don't like this feeling of my son needs me and I can't rise to help him.
1: So can I ask when was the, when was the first time you started noticing the behavior as far as like a change in him or was it something that gradually sort of developed in him? Um, I would, I really think it was like 15 to
0: 18 months is when I was like, Oh, mm. this, cause you know, we had a, a son older than him. And I was like, this is not the same experience, but right. okay. Different personalities, I guess nature versus nurture. Okay. Is this, and then yeah. it just kept escalating. And so really what it showed up as by far was separation anxiety. Mm. Anytime he had to leave us for a babysitter, even to go to grandma and grandpa's house, Sunday school at the church that we grew up in, he grew up in, he'd never been anywhere else. Terrifying for him. Um, Preschool was awful. And then it all culminated in kindergarten. So when I tell you that this boy was stuck in fight or flight, that's where he lived. It wasn't flight. It was just fight. His anxiety only manifested as fight, like Hulk level fight. So Mm. I didn't even know it was anxiety. I didn't know he was scared. I I wasn't registering that. I just thought
1: he's so aggressive. Mm. So I was uh, just getting ready to ask you like what labels were placed on him during that time, because what I hear in, in your story and what I see in you is he was so lucky to have parents that were like, There has to be a solution for this and there has to be a deeper problem going on. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the things that I want to point out about Splunkna is when you suffer internally or externally for a long, long extended period of time, you almost just kind of collect the baggage associated to that. And you don't always have someone in your corner saying something else is under the surface of this. So Mm -hmm. I want to applaud you first as a parent that you, you were, you and your husband were seeking out those answers and the healing that you knew was available. You just, I was hoping, I was hoping. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So just to give you an idea and like, oh, this will make me cry because I'm still, it's so intense when we would bring my son to drop off at preschool. You know, you drop, you pull the van up, you open the side door, all the kids, bye mom, and they get out and they go to their teacher. We couldn't do that. Mm. We couldn't do the drop off because guaranteed he will not get out of the van. Five minutes before getting to school every day at preschool, he would say, I'm not going to school. Mm. Oh, buddy, I you have such good friends there. And you're gonna have to, you know, I would go through the whole thing.
1: And by the time we parked in the parking lot, he would be. Excuse our short interruption there. We had a little technical glitch. So we're going to start right where we left off, which was right in the middle of the story of dropping off this sweet kiddo who didn't want to leave home.
0: So I couldn't pull him out of the van by myself. I would have to have a teacher come help me. And she would essentially, we would have to corner him in this car. And with all the gentle talking and affirming his emotions and trying to be supportive, it always ended in him just being pulled out of this van by two adults, which is awful to do as a parent. Awful for him, awful for me. This continued for two years of preschool, and it continued every morning in kindergarten where he couldn't get out at the drop-off loop. He had to park with my husband. My husband would have to carry him kicking and screaming into the principal. The principal would come get him. Take him into her office, play with him for twenty minutes to calm him down, and then walk him down to kindergarten. And then he was fine for the rest of the day. And I always would ask him, you know, Noah, what is what is it that you are scared of? Are people being mean to you at school? Is is your teacher doing something? He'd say, No, mom, I just feel like something bad is going to happen. So what do you mm. do with that as a parent? Because you are like, what happened in your life that has this running in your background? Right. As far as I knew, he had never been through anything traumatic. We have a healthy family. I I was at a loss. So winter break comes of kindergarten, and my husband says, "I think I need to take him to Colorado to do a Spontan session." Well, money was so tight back then, and not only do you have to pay for the session, but you have the gas money and paying for hotels. And I had two small kids at home. And I'm like, please don't leave.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh well, and. And you also yeah. have tried other things. Yeah. So as a parent, I want to highlight that, that, you know, you, you've gone to doctors, you've gone to programs, you've spent the money on other things. And that can feel so exhausting because you are still functioning in a hope. You don't know for sure that it's going to work. So just yeah. to highlight that the sort yeah. of risk that you're taking in that.
0: And I didn't have hope in Splunkna because I didn't understand what it was. I Mm. had not heard a ton of amazing stories about it. So I was like, why, why would you do this? Yeah. Well, thankfully my husband kind of stood his ground. He's like, I really, really think we need this. So he and Noah leave, they go to Colorado for the weekend. And honestly, Mason does, he's like, I want to do sessions too. So he does like three sessions with this woman. He's like, Hey, I drove here. Let's, let's get into it. And then the lady was like, wait, didn't you want to do sessions with Noah? He's like, oh yeah. <laughs> so they do a session like 30 or 40 minute session, if even that. And Mason called me afterwards. He's like, okay, so we did a session and I told her to work on the separation anxiety. And do you want to know what came up in his session? And I was like, literally more than anything. Yes. Please <laughs> so the age that came up in his flunkness session through muscle testing was nine months old. Mason was like nine months. Nothing happened at nine months. I have no idea. Well, they stuck with it, figured it out. He's like, you know what? I think that might be when I took Noah to my friend's house in Iowa and we were all a bunch of adults hanging out in the kitchen and Noah crawled away and went around this corner and there was this big flight of stairs made out of wood, no carpet. And he fell down the entire flight of stairs because he was a new crawler. And I'm guessing he was trying to go down the stairs to see what was down there
1: and fell. Okay. So you say entire flight. I like I'm picturing an entire staircase. Is that what we're talking about here? Like 15, 16 stairs. Oh, wow. he
0: Tumbled. And it was so bad that when he came back, his crawl was off, his hips were off. So that started us on months and months and months at the chiropractor because now he crawled in kind of a wonky way. And we were like, oh my gosh, something is not right with him. So it was a big fall. Mm. I did not know at the time that that counted as trauma because in my mind, I was like, he's nine months old. He's never going to, he doesn't remember that. That can't be trauma if you don't remember it. Right. But that's what came up as a significant route to why he was so terrified to leave. And so at the uh, end of his session, basically what had happened is we found out that subconsciously he had come to believe this thing about the world that I'm only safe. If I stay with my mom and dad, if I wouldn't have left that kitchen, if I would have just stayed by my dad, I would have been fine. And yes, a nine month old brain can subconsciously come up to all those conclusions. So when he had to leave us for a babysitter or Sunday school at church, or, uh, go to my parents' house, his whole body reacted as if there was a level 10 threat emergency Mm -hmm. because it connects leaving to intense pain and a ton of fear. So his heart would start racing. His body would, his muscles would tense up. He would get sweaty and the Hulk would come out. And that's what we saw every single day. Yeah. He was trying to protect himself. Yeah. He was. And that's when I realized he was just scared. Right. He was not mean. He was not aggressive. He was scared and he didn't know how to protect himself besides going into fight or flight mode. And actually the chiropractor was the one that told us your son lives in fight or flight. That's, that's where his body is at right now. Yeah. So they did this session. My husband left. He's like, ah, we'll see if it does anything. Well, they go to a church the next morning in Colorado
1: away from home
0: away right? from yeah. home yes also uh his big brother isn't there at this new church because his big brother was his safety blanket
1: mm-hmm. um
0: and mind you for the last year i had been sitting out in the hallway at church with him outside of the the sanctuary cuz i couldn't drop him off at childcare I just wouldn't we couldn't do it mm-hmm. so we i hadn't been going to church attending church in a very long time my husband called me just full of emotion in his voice and he's like <laughs> do you want to know what just happened? I took Noah to this church in Colorado and they had this child area and they have in the beginning, these video games for kids to play. And so I gave Noah the choice. You can go into kids church or you can come with me. But of course I never thought he would choose kids church. And Noah said, I really want to play those video games. And my husband's like, okay, well let's go. And he said, it was so strange. Noah checked in and he walked down this little hallway to the child carrier, And he kept looking back at me like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing, I'm <laughs> seriously going to do this. And he looked worried. I mean, he looked a little hesitant, but he turned around and he walked right in and Mason was floored. So Mason told me, I'm like, okay, that is amazing and hopeful, but the kid really loves video games. So maybe <laughs> that is why he went. So they get back from that trip Monday, Tuesday, whatever day it was that, uh, that winter break ended, it's time to go bring him to school. And we're sitting at the table. He's in a great mood. And I'm like, not saying anything, but I'm like watching this kid, like a hawk, what's he going to do today? Yeah.
1: And, and the parent in you is, is not fully. And I know that's where you're going with this, but like, we have our own negative emotion having lived through something like that. So mm -hmm. For Like he released his, but you're kind of still going, okay, is this real? Which is a whole nother piece of the pie here, but keep going. So,
0: yeah. So he is sitting at the table. They load everybody up. We bring all our neighbor kids. We used to carpool, bring them to school. They get into the drop-off line. My husband opens the door to the van and all the kids pile out. And this is where all the kids pile out except for Noah. But this time Noah walked out of the van And again, looked at my husband, like, what am I doing? And he walked into school. It was the first day in two and a half years that he walked in willingly to school.
1: So I would imagine that everyone noticed that that this big change had occurred. Oh, yeah. My family,
0: my friends, everyone, anyone that knew Noah. Yeah. So he never again... Never after that did he ever have to get ripped out of our van, pulled out against his will, kicking and screaming. It has never happened again.
1: So a a big question that I have for you, because at the age of six, there can be sort of a lack of awareness around, right? I would imagine he didn't remember the fall per se. Right. I would imagine he remembered the story of the fall. And, you know, we kind of are scratching the surface a little bit with these subconscious memories, which are kind of the hard drive of our body, right? It's the stored memories that we may not, we may not recall automatically, but, but our internal system remembers everything. Did Noah at six have enough of like a remembrance of this, that he was really aware of what healing took place? Or was it more of like that subconscious switch that was turned on in that he couldn't even understand it or explain it? Because at that age, the healing is different, right?
0: Yeah, I think both. He knew something was different because he knows usually school is awful, drop off, And he knew all of a sudden I'm walking in and I don't really know why. Right. But there's no way he could have connected the story. Even just yesterday, I was reviewing the story with him. And he was like, oh yeah, so the fall is why I was scared to leave debt. I'm like, yeah. So even now he's still wrapping he's his like head He's like learning around more. It. Yeah,
1: totally. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. And so um, he always, we called it his breakthrough weekend. My husband said, we're going to go get you some breakthrough. That's how he, mm-hmm. so even now, years and years later, he'll, he'll just randomly, mom, remember my breakthrough? That's cool. Yeah. And honestly, he is chill. He is funny. He is like we just started homeschooling this year. He can pick a book and work on a lesson, start to finish without getting up and getting distracted. I mean, he is a brand new kid from the kid that I raised the first three years of his life, the first six years of his life.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's that miraculous. Your story is so, I'm in awe of Noah's story and your family's story because I think most people that are in a struggle season of life they yearn for that magic moment then. And, and I do think obviously it happens and it's so worth it. Even if your story isn't automatic, like my, my story, which we'll hear on another episode was a much longer process. I still had that like overnight. Aha similar to what Noah experienced, but it took me a while to like warm my system up for that, that radical change. And so I want people who are listening to hear that the possibilities are endless and despite how long it takes, it's worth the work. It's worth allowing God in it's worth seeking the healing in this way. So, and I want to highlight to you just because this is we're at the beginning of this podcast and I want it, want you to describe for people because I'm imagining that those that are listening are thinking, okay, wait, this kid goes in for this session, this weird word that, cause if you haven't ever heard of it, you are kind of like, wait, what is splunkna? What does it do? Um, and so y- you, he, this gal was able to reveal these subconscious memories and connect these dots to the trauma. And then. How does, how does the session end where, what was Noah left with in that?
0: Yeah. So in his session, when they had realized that he had made kind of this agreement or this vow, I will just never leave my mom and dad. That's the solution to my problem. Mm -hmm. Once they identified that they were able to just break that vow, that subconscious vow, really through prayer. It was just Mm -hmm. very anticlimactic. The session itself was very low key and gentle and anticlimactic to the point where my husband was like, yeah, we'll see if this does anything. Right. And yes, I now, you know, four years later, however many years later I got, went and got trained in it myself, which is how I got to Spolkna. Um, And in my own practice, I I do see the people whose lives change very drastically with one session, but for the most part it is, it's a layering. It's taking off mm-hmm. layers of, vows you've made or agreements you've made and it's all subconscious so you don't know it's there but each layer that comes off even feels like freedom yeah. or some sort of change or some sort of um shift um and i really am grateful that there was that drastic life change for noah for one because we would have had to drive him to colorado every weekend <laughs> right we could not have done and for two i don't know i mean i it's, I don't know if I would have gotten trained in it if we did a bunch of sessions and slowly, I don't know. You, you just never know how I play, would I have gotten trained in it. I don't know. And I think yeah. that was just God's way of bringing that into our family and being like, Laura, you need to go learn this.
1: I also, I want to highlight too, like Noah had the space where there wasn't a lot of focus on like who he had become in the anger or in the upset or in the frustration, in the flight or fight. So Mm -hmm. you as a family opened up the opportunity for change also. And I think that for some of, for some of the listeners that we have, we aren't always in a system where we can just make a change. And the people that we love are like celebrating that freedom. In fact, sometimes it almost feels like a violation to the people we love when we all of a sudden start to show up differently. And so the beauty in this story is that this child got to just like pull, like literally un- throw this backpack full of rocks off of him and just make this like instant change. And I think that speaks volumes into how much we as people, as Christians, however you want to label yourself are, are open to allowing people to get better and to, change what we would perceive as negative behavior um so i just think that's a really like important part of your story to highlight that there was an opportunity for change that there was hope for change that you weren't you weren't Mm -hmm. constantly kind of pushing him under with the negative labels or the negative um behavior right
0: calling him bad calling him a naughty kid which would have been so easy to do yeah yeah. And
1: and so many of us parents have had moments like that where we say, Oh my gosh, you know, just He's get out of so- the car.
0: They're so <laughs> label. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I do wonder if there's something about he was six, you know, so mm-hmm. the amount of intense, hard, traumatic things that he you, you encounter in six years of life versus when you're an adult and you've had 30 years or right. 50 years to right. accumulate hurtful p- processes. That's I wonder true. with kids if that transformation sometimes does
1: happen maybe faster because the layers aren't so plentiful. I, I think you are definitely onto something with that for sure. So how did you make this transition from, cause you guys really just had this one Splunkna session or this one experience with Splunkna and then what made you then become a f- practitioner? Uh, a midlife crisis of sorts,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, so I told you we have five kids, three of them were born very close together. So in a couple months out of the year, they're consecutive ages, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, and when I was in those years, I just remember telling Mason, I'm like, I have been singing twinkle, twinkle, little star for seven years. straight. <laughs> it's like, I need to know that my brain still works. I had to like, I need to learn something, do something more than just like, I I was burnt out on the stay at home mom thing. And I, I knew I didn't want to stop because I like the idea of my kids being home with me for a majority of the day when they're young and they're tiny and you know, yes, all of that. But I was like, I can't do this anymore. My brain is literally mush. And so I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to do it. I'm going to sign up. And I had been thinking about Swankna, um, we had been talking about Noah's story recently. And I'm like, I'm just going to see if they're still training people. And I get online and this is not like me, but I'm like, I am going to sign up right now before I talk myself out of it. Cause (laughs) I'm going to change my mind. So I just signed up to get trained. I paid the money and I'm like,
1: this might be a total waste of time, but I'm doing it. That's amazing. And how has becoming a Spelangna practitioner changed you personally? oh man, it has given me such
0: a different understanding of how emotions work. So mm. I've been on this quest growing up of in my adult years, trying to just wrap my head around emotions, because I think majority of us were in our American culture. We're just taught like there are good emotions and there's bad ones.
1: And there's like, like three of each, but yeah, that's <laughs> what I remember of being young. There's like, yes. you know, sadness, uh, scary. I don't know. I mean, they're so basic, you know, yeah. and the bad
0: ones are awkward. So don't, Don't be, don't have the bad ones because that makes people feel awkward. They don't know what to do with you. You don't know what to do with the bad ones. So let's just pretend those ones aren't there and let's just focus on the good ones. And I was great with that because I'm like, I like being happy more than mad anyway, or sad. So sign me up until I got married and ignoring half the emotions you feel as a human just does not work in a marriage. (laughs) Doesn't work in a healthy marriage. (laughs) So I had to really learn how do emotions work and how do you deal with them when the bad ones quote unquote come up, um, and learning that they're really not bad. They are helpful. They are yeah. shining a light on something that you are needing legitimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're life. indicators. They yes. are absolutely. Um, and so SplunkNet being able to walk people through like, oh, okay. So when your parents said, or did this, when you were younger, it's now showing up in your current life as this and this is how those dots connected it just gives me so much more compassion for the human experience because when i meet someone who's 40 years old and a complete jerk i think before i would have been like you're a jerk and now i'm <laughs> totally. like i'm totally that like i don't know talk of like I bet something really intense has happened mm-hmm. with you and you've built these walls and I can just see I see it from a different perspective and I'm like okay you're hurt you yeah. are a person who is really struggling with something and you don't know how to get on the other side and then I have compassion for you instead of being mad at you or however that plays out and same thing with my parenting when my four year I have a two and a four year old when they're temper tantruming often at the same time that you know is a test of anyone's sainthood right there yes. <laughs> So to be able to even coach myself and be like, they are not being naughty. They are struggling with something right now and they need me to help them get
1: to the other side of it. Yeah. That to me changes parenting the whole thing. I love that. I can tell you that listening to your story makes me wish I lived right down the street so I could send my kids to you for (laughs) Splunkna and to highlight that just for those listening you are able to do listening prayers, Um, and I—I I don't currently offer that in my practice. Do you offer that, Laura? Um, every once in a while, I've done that. Okay, but my but there of my are people are in person, right? And there are it, the in-person experience is so cool and different. But I also love doing virtual sessions and doing listening prayer sessions. So if you're looking for A listening prayer practitioner. There are plenty of people that do it that you can find on the Splunkna website as well. Um, Laura and I are certainly not the only practitioners that exist that do Splunkna, which is very cool. So whatever area you live in, there is a way to find and access Splunkna in that way. Thank you so much for sharing your story of both how you came across Splankna, but also now what you're doing in your professional life to bring Splankna to your clients and to the world. Yeah. Thanks for walking it through with me. I love sharing the story. Yeah, it was fun. It was a great interview.